than me. Oh, it's you. <laughs> Hello okay. and welcome to Labour Radio. <laughs> We're out of practice. <laughs> We're all kind of looking at each other, wondering who was doing the intro. Uh, are we giving this a show number, or is this just LaveCon 2017? It is episode 159. Okay, brilliant. Now, episode 159 um, of Lave Radio. Yeah, greetings, everybody. Greetings, commanders. Um, the... <laughs> I was just saying to, to Chris as the music was going through, Chris started to dance. I can't dance to our theme tune. There is a specific reason why I can't dance to our theme tune. I wrote our theme tune. It's really sad if you dance to music that you wrote yourself. That kind of... Oh, that's contentious. I think it's is it? just sad if you dance to the live radio theme tune. Oh, yeah, okay, fine, fair enough. It's got to be one hell of an awkward disco, that. I was thinking last night how much I really like the music to Dockers, actually. Right. I, really I, I will draw that statement then. <laughs> you, talk, you talk about dance to music. There was, I can't remember who it was, but there was someone that went on Desert Island Discs once, and all ten of the songs they chose were ones they'd written. Ooh. <laughs> I can't remember who that was. I can't remember who it was, but that, that was legendary. Okay, so anyway, greetings, commanders. Welcome to episode 159. I am Station Commander Alan Stroud. This is... Uh, I am Christopher Jarvis, also known as Commander Thane, also known as Cold My Kidney. I'm John Stabler, semi-retired uh, <laughs> operations officer. I get dragged out whenever somebody can't do something. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, and obviously as a meeting, you know, looking at the agenda, there's people missing, and that's Fozzer, unfortunately, and I'm sorry if you've all missed him. He does a very good job of kind of making things happen, and he keeps smiling all day. That's something I can't do. Um, but I hope I've managed to do 10% of what he normally does. So. I, I, I believe he has injections for that. Is there? Oh, right, okay. Well, no one yeah. told me this. Every three hours. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's a shame Fozzer couldn't make it this year. Uh, he, he has been missed, I think. He's, he's not dead. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's not dead. I thought, I thought, you know, one of the lovely things about John, we've done this show now for a lot of episodes, and one of the lovely things about John in an episode is that occasionally, unintentionally, he can be incredibly humorously nasty. <laughs> and he had no idea that that sentence was going to just end with that pause that's going to sound awful. And I just sort of thought, let's leave that a little bit longer. Let's leave that a little bit. No? Okay. Grant, you all right? Yeah, yeah. Hello, I am Psycho Cow, Grant, uh, Chief Bar Steward and Bottle Washer. And Ben? I'm alive. Good. I think I'm here. Fantastic. Yeah, I seem to be here. And we're also missing poor Colin as well. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, you know, now that you guys care about Colin, poor Colin. <laughs> we care about Colin. Yeah, we've got I, your back, Col. I was, I was going to mention Mr. Whispering Late Night Talk Show. <laughs> ASMR podcast. <laughs> yes, I was going to mention uh, Colin and Top Shift, and we're obviously missing Colin. Um, neither Colin nor Foz could be with us today and this weekend, which is such a shame. Um, I think they would have really enjoyed it. However, Colin has been on Twitch for quite a lot of uh, yesterday, so you know he has been kind of helping out in terms of what he's doing. And uh, I'm assuming Foz is dealing with uh, his son's birthday. I think it was this weekend. So yeah, no, he had a good excuse. Hmm. You know, it's it's not like he just thought, ah, sod it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he had to like any of you. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to dive into um, some of the different things that have happened this weekend. We're going to reflect a little bit on stuff to do with the Frontier Q&A panel. Uh, people who are a little bit more informed than me will probably talk about some of the things on the Frontier Q&A panel, because unfortunately I was doing some other stuff at the time. Um, but uh, we're going to go through that. 
Uh, I have heard about the suicide sidewinder. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I, d I don't think anybody could really say um, we don't want that implemented. I think that's, that's good. <laughs> um, so yes, we're going to go through that. And then we'll go through a few things and highlights in relation to what we've, what we've seen and done this year. Um, who here is at their first LaveCon? Okay, so a few less hands than we had in terms of uh, when we asked this at the um, live introduction yesterday. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed yourselves and uh, hopefully everything is, is, is going incredibly well. You still have some things you know, that are going on. There's a couple of challenges still going on in the land room. And we've also got the, uh, the raffle to come. As we I think know, the it biggest challenge is staying awake now, isn't it? Uh, no, that's Simon Winnard's biggest challenge, as he's already said on Twitch. <laughs> Bless him, Simon. If you're out there, get another joke. We'd really like that. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to carry on down to the elements that have been going on here and uh, go through some of the things that um, that have been said and done. So to start with. Where would you like to go, Ben? Shall we look at the Q&A stream question photos, or uh, what do you want to look at? Where do you want to go first? Should we go there, or should we go straight to Thargoids? Let's or... go straight to Thargoids, fine. Okay. Well, that was a wee bit in the past, but the E3, <laughs> E3 thingy. Okay, fantastic. All right, so we'll talk a little bit about Thargoids then. So what would you like to talk about about Thargoids, Ben? Well, the biggest thing that got me was the, I believe it was a, pan, uh, uh, yeah, a Polygon interview where the journalist gave a lovely description of whatever the heck the video was. And he's like, the clip began with the player flying above a, a rocky, barren world. As they moved closer to the surface, they began manoeuvring over what I initially thought might be a crashed Thargoid ship. But the, uh, the closer the pilot got, the, the, larger the, the larger structure appeared. It was almost as if the surface of the planet itself had opened up like a gigantic mouth, leaving behind a huge crater uh, lined with jagged troop flight. You're so much better at reading things than I am, Alan. And, unless when I lose my voice. Um, uh, leaving behind a huge crater lined with jagged tooth-like structures, I watched mesmerized as the ship landed and the pilot departed into a tiny silver six-wheeled rover. Soon they were completely underground, driving along inside a tunnel or a cave. Egg-like sacks popped and splattered beneath the rover's wheels. Eventually an unusual drone-sized vessel called a scavenger appeared, leading the player through a series of doors towards a large central room. I Is feel that what dirty you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. If we were doing a second take on that, I'd have some notes for you, but... Uh, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> but it'll pass, yeah, yeah seven yeah. out of ten, Frank. <clears throat> that sounds... Cool. Interesting to me, a bit like the G, uh, the Gamescom video that we saw. Uh, yeah, that's what I was, it sounded just like that, it's like, it's like the to be continued. Yeah. Where they continue and on down that wee tunnel. Yeah, you go, you're going into this large central room and then it just fades to black and you think, what the heck's going off in there? Well, you can see the influences, can't you? We're, we're looking at Alien, aren't we, mm. really? You know, there's a lot of sort of Escher kind of, uh, kind of stuff to this. Um, I think, you know, one, one of the key things to remember here is that um, we want to be intrigued. And I think I will say that the majority of us in this room are experienced gamers who we recognise that if they kind of give up all the secrets really easily and really openly. You know what? This would be a real disappointment. So what we would like 
is for the Thargoids to be really experienced to find out anything about them. Yeah. I think I think that's the you want it to be a trial, you want it to be testing, but ultimately you also want it to be rewarding, and uh, you want it to be, you know, there to be information, there to be tangible things happening um, that you can learn about, find out about, and uh, and really have your imaginations fired by. Um, and this is let's let's face it, even if there are other aliens out there, this is Frontier's biggest card. They are, you know. Maybe when when Elite Dangerous came back, and when you know was it, Elite was out there before, maybe you were you were hoping for a Cobra Mark III. Tick. Maybe you were hoping for a Coriolis. Tick. Maybe you were hoping for hyperspace. Tick. Maybe you were hoping for beam lasers. Tick. Maybe you were hoping for you know all of those different things, generation ships, something else. The Thargoids are a big thing. They are a, a big component of what this vision was and what this vision is. And um, yeah, you know, it, we've got something in terms of what's there, but it's got to tease us. Oh, I remember to talking us. to Mike Brooks about Thargoids back in uh, Cheltenham Spa mm. five years ago. It's just that, that experience that that first commander must have felt, other than, you know, having to change his clothing, when he experienced that first high prediction, that's what we all mm. want from that game. We all want a unique, mm. frightening, but exciting kind of experience. And I think, you know, it's, it's a, that's the challenge they face, mm. because if it becomes or it feels routine, then it loses that kind of threat. Yeah. You see, as you get high predicted, you do this on your keyboard, you press those keys, and then that's you on your carrier, and it becomes yeah. this side effect that is just there. How many people had a... Players of Elite, original players of Elite, hands up please, thank you very much. Wow. Okay, how many of you had a witch space encounter that you did not plan? Uh, yeah. Okay, right, okay. How did you feel? Yeah. I think we died. Okay, yeah. good, right. So, you know, there was an exploit to turn on the witch space encounter. Okay, there were two ways you could do it. There was one by maneuvering. I think, you know, you had to set the hyperdrive and kind of go straight up, didn't you, or something. And there was also, there was a, a key code cheat that you could do to, mm. to make your, your hyperdrive malfunction, depending on which version of the game you had and, and what have you. Not that we recommend exploits. Well, you know, like, they catch up with you. <laughs> But, but with this one, with this one, 33 years later, I don't think anyone's going to touch you on the shoulder <laughs> if you go and boot up your CPC 464 and decide you're going to... Anyway, right. So the point here is, is that that moment, that moment is what we're looking back at. That is, you know, if, if they can touch that moment, if they can give you that, that experience. And remember, you're all older, you're all wiser, you're all set in your ways, you're all comfortable, you've all got you know, all these, these different things, and you're looking back on that experience through an image of nostalgia. You're remembering it as that moment of your youth. You know, you're not remembering the fact that you just wiped your nose and, uh, and put it underneath your desk while you were, you were busy setting up your hyperspace, or that your mum had called you for dinner and you, know, you were five minutes late, or something else. You're not remembering that bit. Is this therapy time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that was happening to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Am I? Is it? Is it, yeah. too, is, it, is it? Is it too early in the podcast? Am I allowed to start being cynical yet? Or too early? Yeah. It's too early, is it? No, okay, no. Right, Zip. Um, so yeah, so there is a a moment there that you have to recapture, and I think that's that's a tough order, you know, because we're a blinking demanding crowd. We are fiercely loyal, but we are a demanding crowd. One thing I will say. That 
presentation yesterday and the fact that I've been here this weekend. I've been amongst all the uh, the community. I've you know I've had a great time, and you know I've worked my proverbial behind off to have a great time. I haven't been playing for quite a long time. I'm going back in. The reason I'm going back in is because you can kind of have that perspective of some of the updates. You know, you got to a certain stage; these updates were in; these updates weren't. If you can kind of take a bit of time off and then go back in, you can see how much further it's moved. You know, right. and actually, I'm really looking forward to going back in and getting to grips with it. You've not been in since Passengers, have you? Two point one. Yeah. Um, so I, I got stuck in a station. I got in a buggy, drove around once, got in a buggy, drove around, and got in a parking garage and couldn't get out. <laughs> yeah. And that was that yep. was that was my last last Elite Dangerous experience. So I'm still stuck in a parking garage in a buggy. The thing, one thing about the Thargoids, though, is, sorry, the sense of scale that they've got, they're so much bigger. Those flower ships are ridiculous. Um, is, is that enough of a, a sort of threat to you? you know, are they going to bring in ships that are even bigger? Well, I've heard from you know, just <laughs> random conversations, people mentioning these things might be scouts. <laughs> so if this is their equivalent of like the Asp Explorer or the Asp Scout, what the heck's their equivalent of the Nanaconda? You're going to have to fly down their throats and choke them with your T9s. So <laughs> open your cargo bay up and swallow, right? Yeah. <laughs> How many, have anyone else in the, has anyone else in the crew been had any kind of alien encounters? Well, this, this, is, this, is, this is what I wanted them? to mention. This is what I wanted to mention. I am going to be cynical. I'm not going to be too cynical. Uh, because Frontier have been absolutely brilliant this weekend, and their panel, the whole panel yesterday was amazing. Um, Frontier's support and vision for the game this weekend was incredible. But what I do want to say is, in, this is me, like, I'm under my rock, because, you know, you, you know you guys, I, li I like to play on my own. I don't really like other people all that much. And um, <laughs> that's not true. But the, the, the thing is, you're talking about that moment from Elite where you get, you make first contact with the Thargoids, yeah. Because of the way the original Elite was played, you can go back and play the original Elite, and you can still have that first encounter moment. Now, all these moments we're talking about, because this is a multiplayer story, and because those things are out there and they've happened, those moments are gone. If you play Elite Dangerous next year, that moment's gone. You're not. Uh, no. Hang on, hang on. So you're talking about you're talking about have you had any alien encounters? I will be completely honest. If I was just playing Elite Dangerous. And if I wasn't involved in this community and I didn't come to LaveCon and I didn't watch videos online, y'all are playing a totally different game to me because I, the only alien stuff I have ever seen in Elite Dangerous was when I did the Buckyball run and I saw mm. the alien crashed ship. That, you know, that is it. And, my, and, I, and I, the reason, I, I want to scale back my cynicism because I think 2.4 looks absolutely amazing. And my hope is that there will be Thargoid content that can affect each and every player, mm. not there being another yeah. thing which is going to play out online and actually bears no relation to the game that I have installed on my PC. Yeah. That's, that's, no, I just want to put that out there because I that's think it's, it's a valid point that I'm concerned that these great moments, a bit like when I mean, we talk a lot about live role-playing, in mm. live role-playing, because it's like theatre, something incredible happens and then it's gone forever and it's only there in the memories of the players and you can talk about it and it was an incredible moment. But you can't invite somebody in and say, hey, come and play this LARP because this great thing happened because it won't happen again. I think, I think there's a point if Ben's not coming in on that. You're not coming in on that? Or I can, I can come in on that. So, Go in. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Dot. Yeah, okay. Um, 
Don't so, take the full four. Fozzer will give you in trouble. Okay, fine. Um, so I think there's a there's a key thing there, and actually this touches in a little bit on um, what has been discussed in the writing workshops actually this weekend. Um, when you're writing fiction, if you write science fiction and you write space combat as describing exactly what space combat is, it's as boring as anything. What you have to do is you have to, to write it well, you have to think about who's the pilot and what's happening to them and how are they experiencing what's happening to them? How do they feel? How much G is going to be on them while they pull that turn? What happens to them when they pull that turn? Um, how do they feel? And so you're writing according to sensation. And actually, what you can't do, there's, there's, there's a bit of chalk and cheese, and, but there's also a similarity, but there's also a bit of, of opposition. What you can't do is you can never think, this is the experience I had in Elite, this is how this game worked, this is how this, this is, this is the experience I'm having in Elite Dangerous, it's got to work in the same way. You can't measure in the same way. But you can measure by the sensation. And that's the point. Is if they can capture that moment. And I've had that moment in other games, right? You know, that that oh my God, this has happened. You know, I've had that moment in other games. The scariest game for me, I've said this before, I think in some of the podcasts. The scariest game for me, if anyone played Myth, the Fallen Lords. I was playing on headphones at 3 a.m. in the morning, and my squad of troops, who I got into my village, and the, you know, I was supposed to rescue everyone, at, and in, in the village it's midnight, and you can hear the ambience of all the, you know, the night birds and what have you, and my, my soldiers get in the village, and they go, hey, there's no one here. And then, the, then a man appears on the hill, and he starts walking towards us. Who's that guy? So I send four soldiers up to go and have a look, and they get nice and close. Bam! He explodes. The entire terrain explodes. All the soldiers turn into blood and guts. And then there's another man appearing from the other direction. And another man appearing from the other direction. I've never seen these before. I didn't look in the manual. I didn't know that there were these creatures in the game. It is three in the morning. And I'm on headphones. And all I can hear is the screams of the dying. And I know that everyone is going to... Oh my... And I'm forgetting. Because I'm scared. I've got archers. <laughs> if I'd sent the archers, it would have been fine. No, I sent the blinking swordsman and off they went. But the point is, is that that was that moment for me at that time. And if I can get that sense out of this in any way, then, yeah, you know, uh, take me out of the oven, I'm done. So what I was going to kind of ask Chris is, okay, fine, you know, any of these guys could have been interdicted or hyperdicted and played with Thargoids and things like that, but would it still be Commander Thane's first time? Would that be just as good for you, even though 10 other people, 100 other people have done it before? Because it's still your first. Yeah, I think, I think the gene is out of the bottle kind of on games and stuff, because now, I mean, obviously when we were playing the original Elite, we didn't, you know, they always used to talk about... People, Turn off the internet. Yeah, pe people don't understand just how exciting games magazines used to be, because games magazines were the only time you ever saw screenshots of a game you didn't own. Um, and of course now, 
I mean, it's within 48 hours of a game being released. You, you can probably go on YouTube and watch an entire playthrough of the thing. So yeah, in terms of something happening in a game that's a genuine surprise, that is very dif difficult, and the modern issue of spoilers is very difficult. Now, my concern just comes to it that there is an element of, and I'm not, again, I'm, I, I, this isn't yeah. something I want to lay at Frontier's door. This is the difference between multiplayer storytelling and single-player storytelling. Yeah. If it was a single-player game, you would be able to walk that journey of hearing about aliens on the fringes yeah. and then them appearing and having a personal encounter with it. I can see there is a possible situation, depending on how they ramp it up. I probably get maybe like an evening a week to play Elite. It's not, I get like two or three hours a week that, that I can play Elite, partly because I am you know, a bit of a tart. I like to play lots of different games, um, but also partly just because you know, life is busy. And, it's, and I can see me going through the next 12 months and being like, war? What war? Is, so, so people, are people encountering aliens? I'm just selling mugs. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what game you guys are playing. Um, but I mean, that's, that's what I'm really talking about. What, what yeah. I'm really hoping is, and, and we've said this before, if Frontier fix this, they will be the first games company that I'm aware of to have fixed it, to work out a way that you can tell an interesting story in multiplayer that somehow still manages to affect each and every player of the game mm -hmm. beyond. Because I was just thinking about it. The equivalent for me is, you know, like when you play a game and you find like written notes or you, you hear like yeah. audio logs of someone that is further ahead in the facility and they're like, there are all these creatures in here and you're sort of, all you're finding is the kind of the remains and the remnants. And it, that, that's kind of what a bit like playing Elite Dangerous is for me. I keep getting these like feeds from various places of people being like, I've seen aliens. I'm like, wow. No, 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 no. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back to selling stuff. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's my, that's my hope for 2.4 is that there is, because of the ramping up of content, yeah. there is going to be more stuff that me as a player can explore and go and do. I mean, this is where the, this is where the generation ships are so great because, mm. he, okay, because the genie's out of the bottle in terms of online stuff, yes, there is a player who has found those things, but you can go and see it and there is still gameplay in scanning those ships for yourself yeah. and listening to the audio logs. Yeah. You can still go and do that. Yeah. But at the moment, with things like the Thargoid interdictions, that has never happened to me. And I suspect that with the plot moving forward, that initial powering you down and scanning you thing is probably a feature of the gameplay that's going to go away. Is there any point Frontier continuing to do that? I don't know. I was going to come in on that, but Grant wants to say something. I was just going to say, if you're still saying that next year, that you've not had any alien experiences, then... Yeah, that would be a good thing for you, but because uh, I think we're all going to be having a lot of experiences. But I was thinking about that 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 high prediction moment because it is those moments in games when you know uh, XCOM is when you've gone one square too far at the end of your turn, and then boom, they all see you, and you go, ah, right, do I play on? Shall I just reload now? Uh, and in Elite, it could be this simple that 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 high prediction scenario becomes the unknown trigger of fear because you don't know what you're going to land and see. Well, I, I quite liked, actually, if I remember you, when you did your YouTube videos on Kerbal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, okay. And there was, there was one of them where it was going so well, and it just then teetered, and then you had to just watch the train wreck of this thing <laughs> go down into the, you know, into the atmosphere yeah. and completely everybody <clears throat> flash burn in, you know, in terms of what went on. I'm good at that. But, but there's an experience there. Right, isn't there? There's an experience there. And actually, I knew that just watching your video, I knew Grant is going to follow this down all the way to the end because he actually gets, and I think this is an important thing, and I think most of us do, he actually gets that 
experiencing my own tragic failure <laughs> is just as much fun sometimes as experience. Yeah, and, it, and good gameplay kind of rewards that to a point. It's um, like you're meant to learn from the experiences, and I still struggle to get a gerbil into orbit. <laughs> or I can get them up there, but they're still there. <laughs> the um, I was just going to come in on, on something Chris said. I mean, there is a there is a problem for Frontier. There's something that they did to start with with the Thargoids, is obviously is they use a cinematic cutscene. And by using a cinematic cutscene, there's a strength in that. The first time it happens, oh my gosh, amazing. Mm-hmm. The second time it happens, maybe if they haven't heard about the first time, oh my gosh, amazing. But eventually, because it's the same, that's a restriction. And actually, that, 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 that's easy, you know, and I can't, I can't think of another way around it. You know, I, I, I think that's probably the, the wisest choice. But um, it's easy in terms of you've just produced a cinematic cutscene, you've made these, these particular, you know, effects, you've, um, you've affected these particular players. But it, it's the repetition that creates the banality. The repetition is the danger. And actually, if you can find a way to fix repetition, but that... That's almost something they've struggled with all the, the way through because you know they want to make the game out of procedural generation, which actually the biggest bugbear of procedural generation is repetition. So your your library has to be diverse. If your library is diverse, then you see less of the repetition in terms of what's there. Well, I mean, I think that's improved a wee bit with the most recent Thargoid encounter where they're coming in at the barnacles. Yeah. And yeah. yes, it's kind of still a cutscene, mm. but your able to interact with them a little bit more and especially you know we saw there was a video of somebody who somehow managed to bug it out or did something and you know they were able to basically ram this thargoid ship as it was coming in on the barnacle and you could see the thargoid ship fighting to get back to the barnacle but not shooting the the guy who kept trying to stop him and you've got that little of mm. level of interactivity that's coming in yeah. And I think that's going to be dialed up and up and up. Well, there's, there's also there's the, the diversity of it in terms of your view, you know, mm-hmm. because actually, you, let's, let's face it, the technology that we're making use of to, um, to experience this provides another um, area of uniqueness. Because if you go in just on a, you know, your normal monitor screen and it's kind of, okay, that's what I saw, and then you go in in a rift, yeah. and then you yeah. go, ah, this is awesome in a rift, okay, I'm going to get in the buggy and get underneath it. And so you go in the next time and you go, wow, look at that. So you're actually creating something slightly different. And the effect is slightly different in terms of, you know, you're not quite getting the, oh, my God. But you it's Thargoids. So this is where I think, you know, when you see people rushing after there's been all these events and everyone rushes to that area yeah. to try and trigger it for themselves. Um, I've the, still not got mine. No, uh, <laughs> it's that fear factor that you can see that people lose because they're trying to get sucked up in their SRVs. Now, if that was your prized possession ship, you would bloody well risk it. So that fear's gone because it's, you know, yeah. repetition and everyone's now, oh, well, it's fine. Until they fire and are able to take action, yeah. uh, we've got that danger of them becoming that kind of comical, oh, look, and you're, or you're testing, were... And you're testing the limits of the simulation, aren't you? Yeah. You know, and actually, as soon as you start doing that, you actually, it's degrading the experience in that regard. That's no, that's no criticism of anybody. Turn them from Thargoids yeah. into some kind of space whale? Some sort of phenomenon or, or, that happens. Or if I prod the lion behind the, you know, the <laughs> you know, let's throw rocks at the monkeys that are in the, you know, the enclosure. That kind of, isn't it? You know, there's, yep. there's an element of, 
that kind of and you know I'm I'm not criticizing that, but there is a effect uh, in terms of the behaviour of that. I get the feeling from what Frontier have been saying, we might have already prodded this lion. Ooh. Well, the one thing you would hope is that there are many, and this this is you know this is gameplay issue, and you know this is something that you you know, and I've seen them improve this significantly. The one thing you would hope is that the more methods, and I think I've said this, the more methods you have to interact with something, yeah. the less likely you are to warm up your cannons. <clears throat> Most people... And this is something that, again, they've said, yeah. when, we, when we do get these interactions, you might not want to shoot them. Any, anybody play Captain Blood? Yep. Okay, right. So we know what we're talking about. When I, I, now, I don't think we're going to get to you, me, reproduce... Um, I, I don't think we're going to get to you know to that uh, that level of icon translation system. But wouldn't it be cool if we had something <laughs> whereby you could get to you know to effectively some sort of I know close encounters oh. style. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you know. So no, you set me off. <laughs> Did I? I, okay. I was thinking of you out there, you know, with the I love Thargoids on the outside of your ship, <laughs> sailing around trying to find yourself a new friend. <laughs> well, it was the thing is with Captain Blood, as you did, you you flew off to all the different places to to try and find out something from these aliens, and of course they all had particular uh, different characters that they all you know had different languages, and you had your symbolic language board with your words. And you went, mm, 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 mm. and you tried to get this conversation going. And of course, this conversation would go round in circles because you weren't giving them the right connection <laughs> in terms of what's there. Remember, this is on an eight-bit computer, so they didn't have much to play with. And so, in the end, you get frustrated. And it was like, it was like a text adventure where you know, you know what happens when you get frustrated in a text adventure. Start typing swear words, <laughs> and 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 either either the person in the who's written the text adventure is gone. Uh, uh, well, they won't do that, and so that so nothing <laughs> happens. Or you get as you did with Perseus and Andromeda, which was start typing swear words. May the gods strike out your tongue, you know. So every time you you know, so they'd obviously database the swear words to make sure that uh, well, you get you, you get it. banged up in a cell in the quest for the golden egg cup. If you swore the first time you swore, you get banged up. But if you dug the floor, you could get out. The second <laughs> the second time you dug the floor, it said, hmm, looks like there's some rock there now. So you then just stuck forever. You had to restart the game. Uh, well, uh, moral conditioning. I know. <laughs> they used to do it with fairy tales, and now they do it with rocks in floors <laughs> in computer games. So, um, but I, I know short of... Um, having a discussion on epiphenomenalism because that's where you guys seem to be going. And I was like, this is quite a deep conversation about, uh, you know, the experience of it and it being... Is there a difference between actually experiencing it and seeing other people experiencing it and watching oh, yes. it through YouTube and things like that? Did someone say mm. yes? I'd say it's always better to experience it yourself. You know, even if you see the exact same thing on YouTube, I want it to happen to me. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, is there a real difference? I think yes, the, it didn't happen to me. I think the, um, the, the sound guys are the real champions of the interaction there because that's, mm. that's what impresses you and, and mm. kind, of, kind of shakes you in, in your little ship is the, the sudden mm. noises that come in and you think, oh, crap. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I think as well, yes. You know, and I'm, I'm just going just gonna to add this in terms of 
the the point there, John, in that um, when you start thinking about what you have to lose, hmm. that creates something of the experience. So if you think about a space combat experience when you know you're interdicted and someone comes after you, or the or someone starts trying to hunt, hunt your bounty or something like that, then actually there's a moment where you reflect on what you could lose if you're in danger. There's a moment where you reflect on what you could lose. How much is this ship costing? If it's going south, you know, what could I lose? The Thargoid powerlessness moment is a moment where you, until, unless you know they're not going to fire back, which of course is the limit of the, sim, uh, the simulation. But I think experiencing it, there is a moment where you reflect on what you could lose. No, no, I know that. Sorry, I was making a really geeky uh, oh, okay. philosoph philosophical point, okay. which, uh, don't worry about it, move on. Sure. <laughs> do you think? Do you think the difference between it happening to you and, and you watching it on a YouTube video is it the difference between like in a game? Because obviously, like you were talking about that guy up on that hill. So your experiences mm. of that game, which are unique to you, mm. that is emergent gameplay because yeah. you've done something different that somebody else has done. So Ben, are you talking about like is is it that feeling of if I get interdicted by a Thargoid, I have the opportunity to explore that moment and I might do something different for someone else than someone else might have done, or is it just that you want that? in-game to be part of your personal journey, even if it's exactly the same moment that somebody else has ha had, is it still as valid because it's happened to you? Or is it because you want that encounter for yourself because you might do something different or you want to explore that location or, or whatever? Are you going to finish this sentence? When I, when yeah. I, when I get to a point. Yeah. I, there's definitely, I just want, even if it's exactly the same thing, I want it to happen to me. And it, you know, this is Commander Adolf Weiss's experiences. So this is always greener. It's, it's going after the, I've been touched by a Thargoid. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to go there. I was just yeah, thinking, yeah. actually. No you know, tentacles. We're, no. we're back to Independence Day and the guy who says, I was kidnapped. I was abducted. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying. So if I've got like a game like, say, uh, let's pick one out of the air, like a Zelda game. If I, Zelda's not a good example because the bosses, no, some of the bosses are bad. So if I sometimes get to the end of a game and I can't defeat the end of game boss, I am notoriously impatient with bosses in games. If I've got to the very end of the game and all I have to do is kill the boss to watch the story at the end of the game, quite often I'll just quit and just watch the end of the game on YouTube because it's no different. No. What, there is nothing that is going to happen post that, that, killing the boss. That, that doesn't count. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But the point is, if it's an earlier point in the game, there is, still a, there is still your own path through the game, and I don't want to watch how other people have done that because I'm still making choices. But if it's just about chipping down the hit points of a giant enemy and then mm. watching a pre-rendered cutscene, mm. I can do that on YouTube as well as I can on my own computer. Yeah, there's, there's a competitive element there, but yeah, no, I can see what you're saying. Um, Unless there's an achievement in it, take, me, which take, I have to grind it. Take, <laughs> take Street Fighter 2. Okay, you know, there was, there was a big thing when I was of that age that you had to complete it on this particular level and you had to, you know, with this particular character. And of course, you know, our internet was, was, was much more limited. Uh, you know, there were people at my school who could complete it and so I had to complete it because, you know. So there is a, isn't there, there's a competitive challenge there, but we're not really talking about a game that's like that. No. Um, differently, I think what we're touching on here is the illusion of choice. Yeah. Because actually in that Thargoid cutscene, despite the fact that we know it's a cutscene really, there is still the illusion of choice. There is the illusion that you might be able to do something different. It might happen in a slightly different way. And therefore, 
it could still be something else. Yeah. And I think actually that's that there's still enough presentation because you're there in a completely different ship. It could be in a completely different location. There is still the illusion of choice mm. within the way in which that's produced. Um, so yeah, so you know, I, I don't think we can dismiss that in terms of. <laughs> I just think that something that would be amazing if Frontier go off and do this is, you know, we've had the high predictions for a while now, and if Frontier introduced just a little event where yeah. you get high predicted, but instead of it coming around to scan you, it just shoots you instead. Yeah, yeah, variation as, yeah. Opposed, to, as opposed to difference, because actually you can play off familiarity then, because what you do is you reverse that banality that we were talking about. Because you know, if you start throwing rocks at the monkeys, you know the monkeys are behind bars. And then you see the park ranger come by and go, oh, OK, hello, park ranger. Oh, well, the monkeys are still behind bars. I'll keep throwing rocks. He just opens the door. <laughs> yeah, even if now, it, you know, no, you would... not kill you, but you, you get attacked and your heat starts going up. And it's like you, know, you start getting a yeah. barbecue on your, on your hull or something. Yeah, yeah. You, so what you do is you're actually playing with the gamer's expectation. Yeah. Because the gamer's expectation has become you know, sort of locked, that this will only occur this way, and then it doesn't occur. Well, I, think, I just think that would be so funny yeah. if they do that. So, so is now a good moment to say that that was the first bullet point on the show notes? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, think, I think we'll, you know, some of the stuff that we've got on the show notes we're probably like, not going to get to today. The thing is, just listening to you guys, right, you're, you're talking about all these experiences and stuff, and Ben's at the end going, I think, yeah, it's... it's it's completely different if you if you experience it yourself than you know you know finding out by reading about it or seeing other people's. And I'm like going, oh, this is so annoying. He's he's arguing for for Cartesian duality without realising it. And I'm thinking, Can we just move on, move on, move on. I'm overthinking this. Okay, all right. So let's do that. Um, right. I've lost my phone. Okay. It's powered off. We, I, don't, I don't know the password. That's completely uh, the password. The stuff that I was actually really excited about. Sorry, the stuff that I was really excited about in the Frontier panel. Actually, I was really excited about the announcement, which they sort of pitched for explorers, and I get why it's for explorers, but I actually think it's a really cool feature. Frontier confirmed that they were bringing in limpets, which you'll be able to deploy to repair your hull, oh, limpets. which is very cool. And one of the things they mentioned about it, which I actually, and this was the first thing that occurred to me when they said it, was that it's not just about explorers. If you're like in a combat zone and you have to bug out to let your shields regenerate, why don't you just like buff your hull a little bit while you're rebuilding your shields as well. That's a really cool, that's a really cool, that's, that's awesome. That, that was my takeaway feature. Not only that, but you've got your healing beams for engineers. Could your healing beam ship also be firing hull limpets at you mid-combat? Um, my healing beam ship had all its modules stripped. Uh, <laughs> that's that, that's a joke. I don't have a healing chip, but no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is, there, you know, there is, there is obviously that as well. And the other thing they pointed out, and obviously this isn't for all of us. This is for fuel rats, but they're suggesting that maybe hull, you, fuel rats could double up and be hull rats as well. That's cool. Hull rats, yeah, that works. Rats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, sounds like an infection. <laughs> it does. We're, we're still waiting for that kind of neutralization of the pirates versus the unarmed traders. The pirates, well, they're now not quite so super ships, but uh, <laughs> they, I yeah, think I've got it. Yeah, they were talking about changes to the bounty system, which should make the piracy thing and then, then player killing different. I, can I be completely honest and say I didn't totally understand the ramifications of it? It's, well, obviously the background is very difficult oh, to hear, okay. but I'll check into it. But the, um, I reckon the way to, to interact that is to allow traders to fit a new weapon that does the opposite of an interdictor. So when you're interdicted and you're pulled out of supercruise, you fire that on the pirate and fire them straight back in. 
<laughs> a, ca- a, a wide That's gonna work, isn't it? style catapult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, I, just to just, get on my soapbox about this, but I remember back in the days of the DDF on the forums, they were saying, come up with, the, remember the weapons DDF? And they yeah. said, let's, let's talk about weapons. And I, came, I said, oh, wouldn't it be great if you had a laser that could heal shields? and something like that. And the amount of flack I had for coming up with that idea. <laughs> this is a World of Warcraft in space, man. <laughs> he- healing shields, how ridiculous. Well, but it, um, you know, it's good that they took, took it seriously. Yeah, it? absolutely. You know, it, someone was bit, listening. Yeah, it took and a few updates. So um, what also we, you know, if we're, we're, we're going back to, to DDF, DDF yeah. and, uh, you know, things of of old days, you know, we do have to think there was a very active discussion at, at LaveCon 1 in relation to how piracy, how bounties, and how transgressors were going to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that they were going to be pushed to the fringe systems because essentially they would accrue a reputation that would gradually push them out of instances towards the fringe. Yeah, and that, that's sort of a step towards this, because what they're, what they're issuing is that when people are doing player killing and piracy, they will gain an additional Pilots Federation bounty, which is universal across all factions and all space, but not anarchy. Yeah. So that is a step towards that. But yeah. I don't... Given that players already get bounties for killing other players and for doing piracy, I don't understand fully how adding an additional bounty is actually going to change that. I, I, I also, I don't think people... Well, at least I, I, when I understood that comment that, that transgressors were going to be pushed to the fringe, I was actually thinking of the narrative of that, not the narrative of um, oh, I'm you know now we've got sp- safe space now I'm a safe trader now I've got safe space these guys who keep killing everybody have been pushed to the fringe, not their narrative. The narrative of the pirate who's been pushed to the fringe, who then becomes the scourge of a particular system. And actually, there's an opportunity there to cater for that type of player. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not criticizing that type of player. I know, you know, people have, have kind of, you know, we've said this before. Sometimes when you plan a system, when you plan a game, when you plan a set of rules, you write the holes into the rules so that people go in the directions, you know, you write exploits, you consider exploits and you write them into what you're doing so they go in the directions that you you follow. So my thought there was actually you can make that particularly attractive because you can say, okay, you know, you've killed loads of people in the core system, so the core system's people hate you. That's your story. So you were pushed out to the fringe. Now you can only trade in these two systems, but they call you Black Pirate Rob. And you are scourge of, you know, whatever, the anthrax system. Scourge of the anthrax. Anyway, but you can, you can see the, you know, the point. Yeah, but that's, that's the problem, though, isn't it, with the difference between a narrative around a character and a bounty-based gameplay? Because the way, the way the bounty-based gameplay works is you are a criminal for as long as you have a bounty against yeah. you. And then when you don't have a bounty against you anymore, you are no longer a criminal. Yeah. But actually, there's an element of, of player choice of saying that actually if you are... They, they kind of didn't want to break it by saying, well, if you make an illegal choice, you are permanently marked by that illegal choice. But actually, it means that you don't, you don't effectively have proper criminal players because they're just players who've done something criminal and just like a week later will be back. back yes, the resetting. You, yeah. you, you always want to make the choice as a player that if you are going to go down the route of either attacking other players, and I'm not just talking about that, I'm talking about making money through illegal means. If you are a smuggler 
or if you are someone that hangs around on the edges of battles, waits for ships to blow up, and then picks up the stray cargo, and all those sorts of things. That is an element of criminal activity that should push you into a kind of criminal culture and story within the game. That's how, that's how that should yeah, work. And, you and could... if it's just a case of saying, well, now my bounty's cleared and I'm a good, honest, upright citizen, that, that doesn't work in a, in a gameplay storytelling setting. True. I mean, you can, you, can, you can modify it to a point with some cash-based scaling. So, you know, essentially, if, if some of that is about how much you pay off, and so you have a sinkhole in terms of, you know, an economic sinkhole. Because ultimately, let's face it, this, this game is ultimately, its ec economy is flawed, and that's not, a, that's not a criticism. The economy ultimately is about you earning money to buy more stuff. You earning money to buy more stuff. Eventually, you will have earned enough money to buy all the stuff. So the economy is, unless you escalate, 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 it is fundamentally not cyclical economy. So to create a cyclical economy, you have to have sinkholes in terms of what's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes the uh, the legality, the you know, the crimes is a is a sinkhole, and you, we know that that's already implemented to a point. Mm. Um, you could have kind of almost the, the inverse of the engineers. What about if you've got an engineer, not an engineer, but actually a, an intelligence officer who's out there? Psst, I see you've got a record. You pay me six million credits and I'll wipe everything. We kind of have that with the interstellar factors. Okay, but it completely in terms of absolutely, you know, if you were doing all of it, um, in the same way. Is that already in there? You can basically clear all your bounties with this guy and you know, you've got, you've got to pay them. Oh, you could, yeah, you've got to pay them, but you'd have to pay Alan's friend as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think he was offering a deal on a sort of like six million for your 200 billion bounty. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, yeah, if you just pay me your, um, what's your bounty? 6,000, yeah. If you just pay me six thousand, I'll clear that for you. <laughs> but there's, but there's, but there's also there's a there's a narrative exploit on the end. Yeah. If some guy, if you went to some guy to pay off, or to give you a new identity, that would be a better way to do it. You do it as a new identity. Mm -hmm. You give, go to some guy to give you a new identity. He's got leverage on you. Mm. <laughs> if you put that in the game, so that he then came back and went, "You're going to do me this favor, right? Well, otherwise." All that's coming back, mm. you know. We got a bit of gameplay there, right? You know, and suddenly yeah. you've got your worst transgressors in the game are doing kind of like what Chris was doing, because Chris is sort of saying, "Oh well, everyone else is playing a, a game with Thargoids in it. I'm just carrying on, and I've not seen any of them." Well, these these particular transgressors, they're off playing a different game. They're playing a game where they're being blackmailed by some NPCs into doing particular missions, and therefore pulled into a you know a totally different you know world. And actually, to be honest. It's still emergent gameplay. You're so. right that there isn't any blackmail missions. Mm. Well, can I ask a question, actually? Because this is something that's bothered me. I haven't played it very recently. Um, but is anybody here making money? Like, and I don't just mean like a couple of hours, but you know, like for instance, I'd, I'd get into the habit of doing like combat um, zones night after night because it's a good way of making money. Is anybody here? Making money purely by what the game considers illegal means, like smuggling, scooping up cargo. Yeah. Time to confess. I, I know you, it can, you can make money, but what I mean is, is it, is it actually um, a choice? No, it's really hard. Exactly. So, for instance, if, you, if you're hanging around a star 
at a, a nav beacon, right? And you shoot somebody up, right? This, I just look at the cargo and I look, it looks good, but there's no point in me picking it up because as soon as I do, I'm going to get scanned. It's very true. And I, I think it's one of the things that nobody, I haven't heard anybody discuss it, in that I don't think there is a viable choice to play the game as an, you know, a character. Go on, mm. someone's going to disagree. Well, I mean, is that, I don't know, I guess it's just going back to DDF and all that. When One we second, were... John. Can we just ask that question for Twitch? <clears throat> oh, well. There's always someone on Twitch who knows something. Yeah, we need to wake Simon Winnard up. Yeah. Commander Wotherspoon's got it. Um, what, about how to do the illegal, like live off illegal means? Like, is that what you're asking? Oh, just talk about the diamond hack. That sounds so cool. If um, <laughs> you find an agricultural system that's in boom, and you scan ships in supercruise, if they're carrying mining equipment, then those ships will have low temperature diamonds. If you interdict them, then you let them wake out, follow them with a wake scanner, they'll eventually jump to an anarchy system. Once you're in the anarchy system... You're you, despicable. Yeah, I like you that. Can, um, <laughs> you can take down their power plant, and you can, um, you can take all the low temperature diamonds. My biggest haul is about 150 tonnes. From one wow. ship from a T9. And how much do low temperature diamonds sell for a per ton? I think my record is a haul of about seven and a half million credits. So, yeah. so, so I've learned something really interesting, which is great. But I just wanted to know because yeah. back in the early days, when, before the game was released, and we were talking about all the great ways we could play this game, we were thinking, can I actually be a pirate, play a pirate full time? Mm. And I think the answer is no. At the moment, yeah, I, I, I kind of yeah, because I'm kind of keen, keen to sort of move this on. I want to, I want to cover different points. So they've talked about we're talking about bounties and we're talking about living is legal. So they have uh, they they're coming up with a workaround for the suicide sidewinder, uh, which I know we have had people asking on the Facebook, what is a suicide sidewinder? So this is the exploit people know about, where you have a you have a bounty against you rather than losing your expensive ship. You, you pick up a cheap sidewinder, and then you say, I'm here, shoot me, kill me, that clears your bounty, and then you can get back into your kind of nice ship. What I was going to say is, though, when we were talking about this business of making a choice as a player, I think one of the issues about the legality is, once your bounty is cleared, all you have to do is die once, and your bounty is cleared. Now, the reason, if you look at, obviously, if you're looking at things historically, the reason you apply a bounty to a person is because you want that person dealing with, you know, wanted, dead or alive kind of thing. The thing with the bounties in the dangerous is it doesn't deal with the person. It just inconveniences yeah. them. Now, yeah. what, would, what would happen, I don't know what you guys think of this, what would happen is if your, your bounty was cumulative and dying didn't clear your bounty, you were always a criminal with a bounty set at you at a certain level. Any player who kills you claims that money. The more of a criminal you become, the more of a valuable target you become. You become an income source for other players, and you have to fly in such a way that they can't, that they can't find you. And then that's, that's where you're talking about pirates then inhabiting dangerous systems, where they can form a pact with other pirates, because maybe if you're a criminal, you can't claim bounties or something. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. But this is my point I'm saying, is that it becomes, yeah, you... it becomes a choice to be a criminal, not clearing your bounty because you've, you've been blown up in, in, in any kind of ship, but clearing your bounty, say, like, like each individual bounty lasts for, say, a month. 
So the more criminal stuff you do, you're a massive target, yeah. or you have to lie low for a month and wait for people to forget about it. The only, the only worry there is you have to get rid of the pirate circle jerk, which is, hey, look, we've all got bounties, let's all claim on each other. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's valid. So Pete, you could argue you... about saying just get rid of bounties by, sorry, get rid of clearing them by death and have them just disappear over time. Or you have to take jobs or you, authorities in or you, order to work your bounty off. Or you go to your sleazy That's guy who wipes you out. Yeah, we want yeah, the yeah. sleazy guy who wipes you out. But yeah, I'm just sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Let's, let's, Pete, let's did, was there a question, Pete? There was shaking head at the back. I want to know what the shaking head was about. Obviously, didn't agree with my point. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand what you was on about the um, pirate circle, Jack. Yeah. But I'm glad. Is there a way to claim certain bounties but not others? So yes, your bounty does accumulate, but somebody who's already killed you doesn't get the same bounty again. Tricky. Or if you've died, your bounty doesn't then go to the next person. So one pirate with two million credits can't go around and say, hey, I've got two million credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's the circle it's jerk. A, it's a complicated, the, yeah. That is a complicated yeah. thing. It's a, it's a yeah. difficult one to do because you've got a genuine bounty hunter. Then, you know, if you've got someone who's a repeat offender, they may well be that they're bounty hunting in the system where that guy always seems to try it on, mm. you know, or you, it's, it's one of those once, things. Once you're back to trying to regulate behavior, um, stuff starts to, once you're trying to use hard rules to regulate behavior, stuff starts to fall apart because you end up with contexts that work and contexts that don't work. And actually, emergent behavior is about often the most successful things in, in game design, emergent behavior is about when you encourage that behavior and it regulates itself. Sorry if that, that I'm hoping that makes sense. I'm sorry if I'm being a bit too, uh, too um, out the top of the box. Um, but actually, yeah, you know, this is, this is society modeling. This is exactly how, you know, post, so how postgraduate sociologists think is that when you're, when you're trying to sort of create cultural rules or encourage cultural rules, you encourage behavior by positive reinforcement, not by negative reinforcement, and it's always more successful. Mm. Um, sorry, I do just want to move things on because we are, we are, yeah. we are sorry, very, very sorry, we, I was getting into MIT yeah, studies no, no, and it's pain good. on rats. It's um, good. Uh, another exciting thing for the Frontier panel for me, this is very exciting, instead of now picking up cryopods and just taking them to a commodities market to sell, you will have a search and rescue contact who you can take abandoned pilots in pods and be a search and rescue pilot. That's that's cool. That's really cool. That's cool. I have literally nothing cynical to say about that. Is that so a pod rat? Gameplay. What's that? A pod rat. <laughs> pod rats. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That is. That's almost. Uh, sorry, I couldn't come round today. I had a case of the pod rats. <laughs> the pod rats. It's it's such a good feature suggestion. I actually I don't have anything to say about it. I'm just really looking forward to playing it. I've got another question up yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Connor Gwilliam or Dramdar. So I think um, for the pod thing, uh, I think there should be specific missions called pod races. Um, <laughs> or, or, I, I thought you were going to say I think there should be a cream for you know. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. But, but yeah. As soon as you said pod race, my brain just went Misa back. No, no. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, seen that. You know, it, it'd be difficult because. That would you would imagine that uh, a, a pod race would be for a particular rescue mission that you're going on. So you couldn't have two pilots bringing back the same person and racing it back. So unless it was kind of like a capture the flag with cargo limpets. What are you thinking of? of uh, pods, you know, you're out there. With your, you get your pal with a T9, and you're out there grabbing pods, loading up the T9 quickly. Then right, go, let's go. I mean, yeah, I think there is some gameplay in that, definitely. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm not, I'm not quite sure how you could have that unique rescue mission and, and you know who gets there first and who gets there fastest. Maybe oh, gets the bigger. I, I'm, I'm still with the Star Wars mashup here. You know, obviously we're missing <laughs> Foz, aren't we? You know, he he needs to get writing stat more more elite Star Wars mashup fiction. No, it doesn't. You're going to get crunched. <laughs> anyway, yeah. like I'm just thinking, you know, if you're doing this rescuing, and I've seen Grant trying to scoop things, <laughs> it's not going to be good for them. Uh, yeah, as long as when you are acting as a rescuer, you are not then subject to the laws of murder, I should be okay. <laughs> and for that matter, I've seen the limpets trying to scoop things as well, and they're just about as suicidal. <laughs> Awesome. Um, can I, I'm, going to, I'm going to make a contentious session here. We've got lots of notes here about interesting, elite, dangerous things. I'm going to suggest we bump some of those to an actual podcast. Sounds we good. Do some live content. My, my thought too is that um, how many people here saw the Labour Revolution film earlier? How many here didn't see the Labour Revolution film earlier? Okay. Right. Okay. Because our, our thought was we might screen it again during this, as long as people who saw it once. Don't go, oh, no, I don't want well, to see it again. But it gives an opportunity no. to go to the bar and get a drink. Hmm? Go, they can go to the bar and get a drink. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, that's kind of a bit, you know, we're, we're, we're on a roll, we're having a dog. Okay, all right. Fine. I'm just trying to be practical. Okay, good. So we were thinking about doing that. We've also got, I believe, Grant, you have a short film as well. Yep, that was from, well, if he's about Phil, Mindwipe had given yep. us uh, an Uncle Art trailer. Great, um, which we want to, to obviously we want to screen for you, so you've got an idea of what's going on with what they're doing. I believe it's for the documentary, isn't it? Yes. Yep. And Chris has got another I, announcement. I, I have an announcement. I, I do want to do my announcement because I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to shoot off at half past four. I'm so sorry. Go. Um, but while depending, on what are you doing with the late revolution film? Are you going to show it? Because it's, it's. I think we will. I think we will on balance. Okay. As long as people are happy and I don't receive any scowls, and you know, if if you're desperately unhappy with me about it, obviously you can. Beat me up outside later. That's fine. Um, yeah, I think we will show it, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in terms of Lave Revolution, obviously, so <laughs> those of you who don't know, Elite Lave Revolution is Alan's book, which was the which was one of the official uh, Elite Dangerous fiction projects. Uh, as some of you may or may not know, the the audio drama version of that, because of the rights and stuff of the book moving around, the audio drama version got complicated. We are going to finish it. Yay! Um, <laughs> we are going to finish it. We are hoping to finish it this year. Uh, and what I have just enabled before we uh, went live, um, if you go to www.radiotheatreworkshop.com and click on the store, you can pre-order Lave Revolution, the audio book. It's not, sorry, it's not audio, full cast audio drama. So this is, if you've heard Escape Velocity, it's production values like yeah. that, but it's the Lave Revolution story, probably some familiar sounding actors. Um, what I want to say when I'm sort of introducing it is that it is not currently finished. This is a pre-order process. We thought rather than, because we do need to raise a certain amount of funds for finishing it, um, rather than doing another crowdfund, we didn't want to do another crowdfund because the Lave Revolution book has already been crowdfunded once and, and it's silly and, to go And back. bear in mind as well, all the backers who were on that crowdfund who back to get the audiobook will receive the audiobook. We'll There's no, it, yeah. you know, it was just a case of, and I have never said they won't, it was just a case of we needed to sort through the issues first. Yes. Um, so what we're doing is with these pre-orders, you don't actually pay now. It's a pre-order system like any other pre-order system with Amazon where you won't, you won't be charged for it until the thing is actually being shipped what it will enable us to do is if we if you guys who are keen to get it want to go and pre-order it now and we'll be we'll be pimping it over the next few weeks and stuff if we get an idea of of just how many people want it and how popular it's going to be um it's 
in a funny sort of way, it's going to give us an indication of, of, of how much money to kind of spend on finishing it, because there's various different ways we can finish it um, at this point. Um, and depending on the kind of level of pre-orders, it's a bit like a sort of unofficial Kickstarter. We're using the pre-order environment to sort of gauge so, funding. So if we only Does that get make sense? so if we only get six, one of the characters will go war I'm like this, which is completely yes. obviously on you know. Yes. And we'll have Cornish cast for the, for the <laughs> nothing against anyone who's Cornish. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, there will um, be all we, Cornish cast. Best. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we are. Um, <laughs> now you're all going to want a yeah. Cornish version, aren't you? I, I'll have to play all the roles. It might still, it might still happen. We just, um, <laughs> we just lost two <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, yeah. So we are, we I'm are. So sorry. Yeah. So um, I've, we've kind of set a release date for that of uh, December this year. Uh, really, really, the aim is just to make sure it'll all be over by Christmas. Uh, um, and obviously that. It's about five hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically it's an audio drama, but it is it is long. Um, yeah. It is it's a it's a, it's a it's a long complex book. It's about like I say, it's about I think four and a half hours was the previous sort of draft version, which wasn't finished. So um, yeah, it's a long, it's an epic, it's and, an epic epic. And it's not drama. you know to for those of you who aren't aware of the distinction, I'm sure most of you are. Um, an audio book is you know a dramatized audio book would be a narration uh, by the author or by somebody else um, with some sound. This is not that. This is people playing the parts. This is Chris completely adapting, rewriting uh, my novel, cutting down a few characters because I have a tendency to have cast of hundreds, uh, but also making sure that uh, you know that that's that's tight and uh, and works for the medium. So you know um, he's done an incredible job on it, and um, yeah, you know I, I mean I've been privileged enough to hear previews of it, and it's it's fantastic. Although a lot of it's going to have to change, but Day. Okay. <laughs> but it will be just as good. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, shall we <clears throat> cut to the videos, Grant? Is that a good idea? So. Yep. Should we get those up? Let's get those. Let's we'll, we'll um, do that right now. So we'll start with um. Well, which one should we do first? I think it's going to be Leave Revolution, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Hooray. Okay. Right. That only took four years. <laughs> So, um, before we move on, can we get the volume down of the music a little bit? Is that okay? Brilliant. Okay. So, uh, before we move on to, to some of the other bits and pieces, can I just say, the reason this got here, the reason it got finished, is because of Chris Walton. Okay. So, my... For those of you that, that, that don't know what happened, I essentially, as part of my Kickstarter, I, I promised a stretch goal in relation to doing a short film. That short film is a tie-in to the book. It fits as part of the book. It doesn't tell the whole story of the book. It's just a story of a couple of people who were you know, on the planet of Lave and were involved in what was going on whilst some of the stories of the book happened. Um, most of the filming was completed, actually, in 2014, and it's taken that long to, to do the post-production. Um, and Chris absolutely stepped up to, to doing that. So I'd made a decision very early on to, this wasn't going to be my film, this was going to be an opportunity for one or two of my students to be able to do something tied in with this mythos and tied in that would give them access to, you know, to, to a, a larger franchise than they might necessarily be working with. Uh, Marcus did the direction. Marcus uh, did all the, the production shooting and then handed over the material to me. Um, I, th I think when he graduated, or it was after he graduated, it was sort of 2015. And then at that point, I was able to get it to Chris 
uh, a couple of months later, and he has just been fantastic. I, actually, no, I think it was 2016 I gave it to you, didn't I? Yeah. So, so it had taken a year, in 2015 to 2016, it had actually taken a year to basically to be able to, to get it into a state that we could, you know, we could start to work on it. Um, and Chris has, has put it together. Um, so absolutely all plaudits and kudos uh, are deserved by him. Um, not by not by me. Um, you know, if if that encourages you and you want to go and buy the book now, then fantastic. Then please do. But um, certainly, all praise should be to Chris and to the folks that did the recording and the other bits and pieces to help him. Um, I know that some of you contributed to the uh, the in-game footage. Thank you so much. I know Peter did. Thank you very much. And to to the others that do. And. Um, also, Kareem played Hans Walden, so we had uh, a nice bullet shot in the, uh, uh, the head, which is great. So our plan, yes, I'll answer that, our plan for you to be able to get this so that you can access it and watch it, uh, it will get posted up on the Lave Radio site once we have taken down LaveCon and um, had a bit of sleep. Um, Chris is going to sort out getting it online, and then we're going to basically, we'll connect the link across to uh, to the Live Radio page, so you'll be able to go straight to the Live Radio page, and it'll be one of the posts on the on the panel, and you can just you know go and find it from uh, from what's there and everything else. But yeah, again, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Chris, and um, thank you to everybody that contributed to help. Thank you. And right, do we have the Uncle R video? Yep, it should be good. Yeah. Uh, actually, brilliant. Give me one sec. So for those of you that don't know about Uncle Art, Uncle Art are, um, well, is Dave Lowe. Dave Lowe wrote the original theme tune music for Frontier uh, back in 1993. He did an orchestral redo version, which we premiered exclusively at LaveCon last year. It's amazing. I was at Abbey Road and I listened to it being recorded and Dave and Phil did too, and it was awesome. Um, this, I think, is the trailer to the documentary of making it, if I remember rightly. So they filmed the whole process. The premise was to produce music the way I wanted to be able to do it in the day, if I was able, and that's what we're doing. So yeah, so that is the documentary of making the Frontier theme, uh, and it's recording at Abbey Road. Um, you know what? It's been a year since we premiered that here. I cried then. That and I'm crying now. The, the, the I'm, sound again. Yeah, I'm crying now. It's just awesome. And it, the, it, you know, I, I write a lot of music. I wrote the, you know, the, obviously the stuff for Lave Revolution and, and other stuff. I write a lot of, you know, of synth music at times. There is nothing like when you get a real orchestra. No. And it's something that hits you in the feels and you get a real orchestra. There is nothing like it. It's all, so yeah. Oh, lovely. It's made my night. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Well, maybe we can play the tune while we do a changeover on the stage for the raffle. <laughs>
get it out there loud. I'll turn this yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you would like to hear it, then obviously yeah, sure. we can we can we can we can arrange that. Last year we had to premiere it and turn the Twitch stream off, didn't we? Yes, we did. Because yeah. it was an exclusive, and of course the guys on Twitch. If you're the, for those of you that weren't here, the guys on Twitch last year, <laughs> they there were a couple of complaints, but then what they got was they got all of us sitting in silence like that, and and I said, you know, actually we we need to kind of just show our appreciation now so we brought the volume back up on Twitch and it was all of us going which is <laughs> <laughs> great yeah. I'm going to take this opportunity to say goodbye I have to go my three year old is dancing on stage this evening so I have to leave um, <laughs> just personally I want to say thank you to each and every person that I've spoken to this weekend I've had a fabulous time talking to you all talking elite talking audio drama talking escape velocity talking about whatever we've been talking about um, I've uh, my because I won't get here these my personal thanks to uh, Alan and particularly Karen uh, and all of Karen's team of helpers for all their wonderful work I'm sure there will be proper big thank yous at the end uh, I just wanted to say that myself before I went uh, so thank you all very much I've thoroughly enjoyed being here with you and I will see you all again soon and online take care Chris Thanks. okay so I think we're going to wind down a little bit now, but I think that what we're going to do is just quickly go around to the team. Um, Favourite moment this weekend, John? Um, well, the Phoenix Point stuff. I was really, really, really looking forward to that. So that gave me a reason to get out of bed this morning because I was absolutely knackered. Um, so, yeah, I did like that. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's been my highlight. Mm -hmm. As usual, you know, when you volunteer at the event, you don't get to see everything. Mm -hmm. So one year, I'd like to say, oh, the highlight was I went and did the, the radio workshop with Chris or maybe some writing a workshop with you, but, you know, not this year, unfortunately. Oh. I know. But, yeah, that was my highlight. And uh, filling in for Foz has been fun. Yeah. So. You got that swanky new robot arm? Yeah, got <laughs> Oh, well, the RPG... Uh, <laughs> it's not possible to be killed... Okay, when you have an audience, it would seem. Because I was trying my hardest. You did try, didn't you? Not just to kill myself, but to kill everybody, and it just wasn't going to happen. Uh -huh. So well done to the GM for putting up with my efforts. Uh, ben? And yeah, two things. Again, the RPG. And I actually had a really nice chat with uh, a long-time member of the community, but a short-time player, I guess I'd say. Mm. Uh, a guy I was talking to this morning called Steve. So, hi, Steve, if you're here wherever you are, or he might not be. I know he's, you know, he's a million and one questions. Yeah. And it was so nice just talking to, just talking to the community again. Mm -hmm. mm. Grant? Cramming a six-foot guy into a Mr. Blobby costume. <laughs> <laughs> it was sharply uh, undone. All that enjoyment was ruined as uh, Hobart got out of his... <laughs> and into a nappy. That was just that, that was the low light for me. Mm. But um, no, uh, Frontier um, and the way that they interact with us is always a highlight. And of course, Trevor and Simon singing corner for a Drabble song. Yes. <laughs> I think I think for me, I, you know, and you guys know, and we've we've kind of you know we've shuffled around this year a little bit. Uh, I have to say kudos to to Ben and to Chris and to Colin and to Grant in that they've stepped up and taken up most of the show for, for you know, the last few months. Certainly John's in semi-retirement, which he completely acknowledges. Um, Foz doesn't have as much time, his life has changed. And uh, I, to be fair, I've struggled. You know, my enthusiasm struggled. And I think 
the thing I didn't anticipate, which is really nice, is that I feel more enthusiastic. You know, I actually, you know, and that that's sounds a little bit sort of cynical, but um, you know, a lot's happened in four, five years. A lot's happened, mm -hmm. and it is nice to have essentially to have come here, run this weekend, and you know, don't get me wrong. When I say run, I mean Karen ran this weekend. Um, to to be here and do all this and kind of almost feel like you're at the petrol station and you've just topped up your enthusiasm and your keen filter. Um, yeah, I, you know, I genuinely feel excited again, which is really, really nice. And it has been a tough time. And uh, having an opportunity to essentially to be with you guys and feel that, for me, the photo. Mm. Right? You know, and that sounds a bit silly, really, you know, because you're like, oh, but you did this activity, you did that. As soon as I see everyone out there on those steps, oh, yeah, you know, this is how much we care. Great, you know. So, yeah, so that was fantastic. And, you know, I did what I always do with Artemis in that we set up Artemis, and then just occasionally I prowl up to the doors and I just put my ear against the door and listen to people having fun. Mm. And that's cool. So, yeah. Uh, well done to all the team who've run Artemis for me this weekend. That's been fantastic. So, Steve, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, and everybody else. Okay. I, I, just, I just also was very related to what you were talking about there. Mm -hmm. uh, I've bumped into a few people. Some people are still playing the game very often. I've also bumped into some people who said they're in a similar position to, like, myself. Um, and they said, well, I haven't played it for a while because, you know, of life. But if there's one purpose, I guess, for this event, it's to kind of rekindle the love, yeah. remind you yeah. why we love the game. And everyone now, especially after like the Frontier panel, when you hear what's coming up, and when you start talking to people, and you find out how to get all these, you know, these gems and diamonds and things like that, you're thinking, oh, as soon as I get home, I'm going to fire the game up. So I think that's what the... Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's okay. You know, I think it's okay. It's okay to have a, a love affair with something that you occasionally, you only, you know, uh, ships that pass in the night in the, the kitchen or uh, uh, to leave it in a box and let it be dusty for a while and then brush it off and, and rediscover it again. I think that's okay. And okay um, to have an affair with another game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell, don't tell Elite Dangerous about Phoenix Point, right? No, no. <laughs> Okay, uh, is there anything else, gentlemen, that you want to, to quickly raise? Is there anything we've missed? No, no, just we will be having a Galnet report, and we never remember to say that before we ended the show. <laughs> we just end the show and then go, oh, Galnet! Um, we're going to have a live Galnet report um, right after our show, yeah. Yeah, thank you cool. to Pete for that. Um, and actually, I know that we talked about that last year a little bit in our uh, my workshop on where have the Thargoids gone, and... One of the highlights of the the community for me, and I've said this on a couple of um, a couple of the the streams, um, is the fact that that's that's exactly what I was talking about. Pete doing the Gownet report is exactly what I was talking about. He's found a niche, and they're fantastic. You know, so well done to Pete. And he owns this as well. I mean, you, yeah, you're awesome at that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's really cool. Okay, all right then. So that's it for another episode of Live Radio. If you would like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at info at laveradio.com. You can get us at Facebook Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, or you can join the Discord chat channel by going to tinyurl slash lavechat, or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come and my iPad turns off. <laughs> there we go, where commanders come to hang out and chat, teamspeak.laveradio.com. 
Late Radio is usually recorded here live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30pm and streamed out on Lave Radio slash live. But today it wasn't. It was recorded instead at LaveCon with its amazing live audience. Thank you very much, people. So, the next thing that's going to happen is the raffle. And after that, until next time, fly safe. And if you can't fly safe, then be a pirate, because apparently there's a career in it. Yeah, right? diamonds, diamonds, yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Fly dangerous. Thank you very much. Galnet News Digest, 25th of June, 3303. We read the LaveCon news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, Galactic Federation must try harder. Pilots Federation to get tough on rogue members. Explorers do it by themselves. Pirate slavery, pilot slavery, outlawed. And keep the star lube coming. Galactic Federation must try harder. A report on the recent Thargoid encounter that was prepared for President Zachary Hudson has been leaked, and it reveals that the Federation military is in a sorry state. The report confirms that the Thargoids are indeed hostile, and that they fire back when attacked. It also reveals that Federation weaponry is apparently of very little use against Thargoid vessels, and that the highly manoeuvrable Thargoid ships can disable even the largest military battlecruisers. The Federation report makes a mysterious reference to Thargons. 
although the context does not make clear what they are. Alliance sources have commented unofficially, questioning whether the Thargoids are indeed hostile. There have been numerous occasions where Thargoid Sunflower ships have completely ignored human craft, or briefly pulled them over to the side of the hyperspace bypass to check their pilot's license and wish them a good day and a safe journey. One Alliance source suggested that shooting at Thargoids might not be the best way to judge if they're hostile. <laughs> However, the Federation now has its crayons out and is working on concepts for weapons that might be able to take on the Thargoids. Pilots Federation to get tough on rogue members. The Pilots' Federation has revealed that it's planning to introduce bounties for commanders that shoot at other Federation members. I don't know why we didn't think of it before, a spokesman said. We're going to introduce a bounty system that applies across the homeworld, except of course in those few lawless systems where the Federation has no representation. In related news, the cost of fines applied during rebuys is being adjusted to reflect the value of the ships used during a crime spree. The days of the Suicide Winder may soon be over. Explorers do it by themselves. After years of whiny explorers complaining about blowing up when their hull fails, an innovative company thinks it has the answer. Auto field maintenance units are useless for repairing a hull because they can't get access. According to Canterbridgean Developments Limited, the way to approach this is from the outside. They're working on a new hull repair limpet that'll be able to attach to the outside of a ship's hull and repair it while the ship is undocked. The benefits to organizations such as the fuel rats is immediately obvious, and wings of assault vessels may be able to repair each other after a battle, but the benefit to explorers will be the greatest, as they'll be able to repair their own ship using the drones. This should make the neutron star highways much safer. The only part of a ship that still needs a visit to dry dock is the power plant, and a solution to that problem still seems a long way off. Pilot slavery outlawed. It's been announced that the selling into slavery of pilots rescued from wreckage and crash, crash sites is to be made illegal. It's become accepted practice that occupied escape pods can be sold for a profit in commodity markets the galaxy over. What happens to the poor occupant after that is often unclear. But it's believed that some of them end up working in data slate factories in China. <laughs> a plan is underway to appoint search and rescue contacts in every station. This will allow commanders to turn in escape pods in the sure and certain knowledge that the occupant will be resuscitated with care by trained professionals and will be rehabilitated and reunited with their families at the earliest opportunity. However, Shooting occupied escape pods is still good sport and will remain totally legal. Keep the Starlube coming.
Following the appeal by Dr. Cordelius Swain for rare goods for his celebrity soiree in the lave system, attendees have been voicing their delight. Well, I was looking forward to the azure milk, said one delegate, but I really wasn't expecting quite so much onion head. The ambassador really knows how to party. Other rare goods imported for the event included a rather, rather nice fluffy Momus bog spaniels, MEDB star lube, which is always handy if you're getting on particularly well with your dinner companion, and Thrutus cream, which comes in handy a few days after you got on particularly well with your dinner companion. The most interesting rare good, however, was honesty pills from King Gateway. There's nothing that makes a party go with a swing better than a good old bit of honest, straight talking. And by the way, Ferrero Rocher are particularly horrible chocolates. And that's this week's LaveCon Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.